Daniel, you're back in Blighty. Had a good break, I hear? I did. It was absolutely tremendous. If ever you get the opportunity to go to Ghana, and particularly if it's in day December between over Christmas and New Year, then absolutely do it as often as you can, which is what I do. Very good. I wouldn't say there are not many things where I'd say do what I do. Just to be very clear, but this is one. <laughs> do it. All right. I'll follow the advice one day. I've I've never been to Ghana, but I have been to many countries, as uh, long-time listeners will know, but that's one I've missed. So, yeah, one day, that'd be good. The football's pretty good over the break as well. I don't know what, what the uh, football-watching situation is in Ghana. I guess the time zone difference is not much, is it? So it's There isn't easy. one. It's like, and it's ultimately yep. like anywhere else in the world these days. You can watch whatever you want. Well, whatever yep. your family allow you to watch. Yes. <laughs> and... You can watch more than you could in England, even in the airport. I yeah. flew back just after the Bournemouth game and was in a bar in the airport watching United, but they also had the Arsenal-Newcastle game on, although sadly not the darts. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, same here in the States, just an incredible amount of football that can be watched. I mean, every match in every one of the big five leagues, plus Argentina, MLS and Brazil. Yeah, much more football is on than in England, which is a funny turnaround, isn't it? And and the when it comes to the Premier League, it kind of feels like a model for what could happen if the 3pm window is ever kind of the 3pm blackout is ever changed. It's very bizarre that it hasn't been changed. When you think about this actual important shit that's been compromised in the name of money, Yeah, it's very strange that they haven't compromised this that really pro- doesn't make very much difference these days. No, that's right. And and given, I mean, given that, look, I, I understand the reason for it. The reason for it is that if you have Manchester United versus Manchester City on the telly, no one will go to see Bury or, or whatever, right? But that will but, never be. That game will never be at three o'clock on no. Saturday. Right. That's very true, actually. Three o'clock on a Saturday could be could be reserved effectively for, for non-Premier League games, which would be a, a sad change in the tradition. Or Rochdale, Bury, Stockport often played on a Friday night. And so there are ways around it. Anyway, anyway, United versus Everton was on a Friday night. It was a bit, a bit odd, FA Cup third round under the lights. I mean, I remember it from the 85 Cup run. There was a Blackburn away was on a Friday night. But I think the thing, the thing that I found most noteworthy in my feelings about this game, and I felt before Bournemouth as well, was that at no point did I think we weren't going to win. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, and now yeah. reliable in terms of beating crap teams at home, which has not been the case for quite some time. Well, it's it's not been the case. Well, there's two seasons in the last 10, basically. The Mourinho season, where we came second, pretty reliable at home. And some of the Oli season, although much of that was built on the away performances, actually, rather than the home performances. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Now have a, now have a system which is dominant against crap teams and makes enough chances to win games. And the chance creation has been a problem. Actually, chance finishing. I I was looking at the data. United are almost identical to Arsenal on chance creation and chances conceded. Obviously, the goal difference is bad because we've had three bad games where we've leaked loads of goals and then the, apart the from, yeah apart from those <laughs> quite important but apart from that and and on the the chance finishing we're just we're just not as good basically which which doesn't make sense really when you look at the players but united don't finish them off yeah i think that's, as well. we, we still don't score enough goals 
we're getting better at making chances and and at, and at taking them, but we're not there yet. And it will be like this until we've got a proper centre forward. Yeah, I think that's right. The killer. I mean, Martial's played the last few games. He's, I don't know, I, I can't think of a... He's not really been standout, has he, in terms of his, his actual games. I mean, he's fit, which is, I guess, a bonus. So he's actually been able to play four or five games on the trot. I don't remember the last time he's actually managed to do that. But he's got, what, one goal in that time, I think? The side-footed goal against Bournemouth. So it's not enough, yeah, really. he... He, he he needs he'll need a little bit more time. I mean, he's not he's not he's not a solution. He's someone who is a hundred percent worth having in the squad. If he's not your best option, he's not someone you can really rely on to be your number one. Because even if he sorts out the kind of application, he's always going to be someone who gets injured. I think now yeah. at this point, yeah. it's very rare that you see someone with his injury record suddenly get suddenly into their late twenties. Yeah, and, yeah. It, and that stops being the case. I mean, it happened with Ryan Giggs, didn't it? He had all those hamstring problems through to the midpoint of his career and then managed to fix them through yoga and having affairs with his brother's wife. So maybe maybe we should send That's Martial down do that is. route. Yeah. <laughs> Well-known fix. What I do think about Martial, though, is I think he's probably quite similar to in style to the kind of striker Ten Hag would like to have. Yeah, I think I think that's right, yeah. He's a mix between an all-rounder and a true number nine, and yes, yeah, uh, like he can yeah. go, he can pull wide, he can run with the ball. Yeah. He's quite calm in front of goal. He can hold it up. It's all, all, and I think that's the kind of striker Ten Hag would like. And the the difficulty now, I think, is that we're in this situation where we do sort of need a striker, but with funds being quite scarce and there's still being work to do, don't really want to bust money on someone who's not going to be a first choice. Because if you think we've got Martial. Then we've got Rashford who can play there and an alternative and good alternatives in Rashford's actual position. Yep. Then we're going to sign the number one striker, presumably in the summer. Kind of think that the, the other guy, ideal world, is a young player who will get better either someone who's already at United. I don't know if Hugh Gill is good enough or McNeil is going to be good enough. But if it is one, if if so, then it should be one of those two, or someone you buy who's young, who you hope will develop into a really serious player. I you don't really want to be spending thirty million quid on someone who you only really need for six months. Yeah, I think that's I think that's totally right. I think that's the, the thinking right now. I mean, because there isn't the eighty million to spunk on the front line, number one, number nine, if that makes sense, then they're they're going to look to a loan. And I, I'm not sure about Hugo or McGill. I think they need, sorry, they need time in the championship or a, a loan away to really develop, is my thought. I don't, well, I don't watch every under-21 game. No, I, I, so. what I do think is it's always worth having that kind of player on the bench if you don't have anyone else, as we saw most obviously with Makeda. But people who know how to score goals and, yeah, know, yeah, where, yeah. and know where to be are, you, are much more useful to have than a third or a fourth or a fifth centre-back, which is... Right, often the case, but and, I mean, and look, I think we've seen with Ten Hag that he will play younger players. I mean, Garnacho's been integrated slowly. He's not first choice in that position, but he's coming on in pretty much every. Well, he started the game that Rashford was dropped from, didn't he? And, and, and he's coming on knows, in pretty much every other game. So. And who knows what he'd be doing if it didn't so happen that our current best player plays in this position? Yeah, we'd have seen we'd probably have seen more of him, but for the fact that Rashford is on a streak. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, and yeah. I say he's on a streak, but. I guess what we're about to discover is, is this now his level or is it a streak? 
Yeah. Because my thing with him was he's someone I always thought had the ability to be a really proper player. But, and someone, I don't know why I always used to compare him to someone who played his position, I guess, at City at the same time, Raheem Sterling. I always felt that Rashford had quite a lot more natural talent than Raheem Sterling did. He was just in the wrong place at the wrong time when Sterling was in the right place at the right time in terms of the players that were around him and the coach who was able to get the best out of him. And we're seeing now that Sterling's Chelsea and that's changed and he's doing bugger all. Yeah. The, the thing with Rashford was whether he was ever going to get, put all, put all the bits of his game together. But I think what we're seeing is he's now become quite a different player. The thing that I'm most enjoying with him at the moment is that he's playing not just like a wide attacker, but he's also playing like a winger. He's in recent weeks, He's developed that ability and that inclination to go on the outside. Um, yes, and I, he... I imagine that they've been working on that, I'm sure, because I, I know Ten Hag is a very detail-oriented coach on some of this, So, and, and uh, obviously they've got Benny McCarthy working with some of the forwards. He has done it. It's very noticeable. The other thing that's really noticeable with Rashford is just how strong he's looking. You know, he's using his physique, and I don't know whether it's just pumping up the weights or he's been eating the protein shakes or, or what, but it just feels like he's more physical as a player. And, so, and if he can go on the outside, that really causes it causes double the problems, doesn't it, for the defender? Because the the he he was beginning to look like a one trick pony, especially when he had no confidence in that you know he's always going to cut inside and look for the shooting opportunity. And he by doing that, he narrowed down all his options, didn't he? And now he's got he's got more options because it's not and just the, the fact confidence. That, it's not just the fact that he's doubled the options by going. He can go both sides, left and right. Is that he? If the because that now exists, the defender doesn't know what he's going to do. So it's it's not just the fact that he's doing both things; it's that doubt in the mind of the defender. And we saw it for the the own goal the other night, where where he slowed the guy down. And once that happens, if he slows you to walking pace, you are fucked. Yes, because right. His the only person that I can remember seeing who was able to compete with him for pace was Reese James. But because you have some players that are quick, like Martial's quite quick whatever. But then you have players also that are just lightning. And he is one and Garnacho is another where they're so quick that it's almost impossible for them to catch for anyone to catch them once they get going. And yeah, he's now feels like he's learning. And I saw I, I made I made a note that about him going both ways. And then I saw Ten Hag talk about it subsequently in a in a press conference but after the game that that's something they've been working on, getting him to use use be better using his left foot. And mm-hmm. the other thing that they want him to improve on is in the air. But something I've also noticed in the last few games is we've scored a couple of tap-ins. Mm-hmm. Uh, like far post tap-ins. Anthony, Anthony scored that goal the other day. Yeah. And Rashford scored one against Bournemouth. And this is another thing with this team is that under Ole, they scored loads of bangers. But the, the strikers didn't really have the inclination to scrounge any goals. And now... If we're starting to do that as well, then that is something that will make a very big difference to the number of goals we score. If you think about yeah. the teams, even teams that have been famous for their beautiful football, like City or like Wenger's Arsenal, loads of loads of square balls across the goal and tap-ins. And so we need more of those, but also when the goalkeeper spills it, you need there to be someone knocking about. And yeah, we haven't yeah. really had very much of that over the last few years. No one... Because we don't have players really who are natural goal scorers apart from Bruno, and he's playing in midfield. That's right. I mean, he, we're not getting the bangers quite as often, and Bruno's not getting them. But he's still really high up the charts for chance creation. I, I don't have worry. He's changed. 
he's changed his game or changed his role in the team. It's not all about him anymore. He's sharing creative responsibility. Ericsson is now second in the Premier League charts for assists, which tells you something. So we've got two players in midfield now creating chances. And Casemiro, who's like just the best central midfielder United have had in how long? A he, decade? He is, just... he is making all the difference to this team. It's that position that we've needed since probably since before Fergie retires. Yeah. And we yeah, have yeah. assiduously either fail, failed to buy anyone good enough for that position and having him now has made an absolutely monumental difference. Um, um, I mean, he's completely bringing balance to the force, isn't he? And, and like you see that even when when he's when he either drops his intensity because of game situation, he doesn't do it often, but he did a little bit against Bournemouth late in the game, or comes off, and it's just completely different because Fred came on the other night. I mean, he made a few tackles and and interceptions and whatever, and, and it just changed the nature of midfield. Fred um, did well when he came on, actually. Did all right, in, fa- yeah. in fairness. But the thing about Cas- one of the things about Casemiro that I love, and Martinez has this too, is that ability. It's like they've got a GPS installed into their brain that tells them the precise whereabouts of the line at all times. Yep. And that ability to commit these fouls, and Fernandinho was obviously a master of it as well, to commit fouls without getting booked, particularly Casemiro. And I don't know if it's just like, those cute little cheeks that he's got. They're just so chuchy. That it's true in La Liga they, as well, though. So, yeah. it's that Part of it is that genuinely it's a skill to either make a foul look like a coming together or make it look not nasty or whatever it is. But also, it's just got that cute little face. That, <laughs> how like, could, you how that, could this man do something nasty like break his leg? How could you put a guy with cheeks yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah. Was it against Everton he put a studs up challenge in? I can't remember now, I'm forgetting. But he, he, yeah, you're right. He mostly gets away with it. Yeah, he did. Um, and he it was a rake of the studs as yeah, well. Yeah, that's right. But it's also, it's really weird because it was, I felt the same about Van Persie. Like players I've seen play countless times, loads and loads of times, so that I feel I have a good basic knowledge, more than the basic knowledge of how good they are. And yet United signed them and I felt like, oh, you're quite a bit better than I thought you were. And I right. thought you were pretty good to begin with. And Yeah, yeah. I, I In the summer, I, I someone accused me of being a downer on Casemiro. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I wasn't. I, was, I felt pretty cautious about the financial side of it. And I think that is playing out. United have, with the Anthony and Casemiro deals, there's a price to pay for spending so much. But Casemiro has just been fantastic on the pitch and... Yeah, balanced it all out. I'd, you look at this team, fit Varane, fit Casemiro, and you're like, how do we get these players? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Given I mean, how crap I, we've I, been. It's, I mean, Cas- so I guess Varane sort of came at a point where it looked like we might be good. But for Casemiro to bin Real Madrid, I, I, part of it probably is that they'd sign, like Valverde is playing well now. Yeah. They signed Germany. They yeah. signed Inger. So the writing was on the wall. So maybe he thought, fancy a different challenge before when a challenge like this was still available to him. If he waits yeah. another couple of years, he might not even play that much. But the he, the, the only player in the league in his position who's anywhere near him is Rodri. He's in a different league to Declan Rice. Yeah. And he is the one player that I would say we must, must stay fit. We have alternatives in various other positions. Obviously, you wouldn't want to lose Bruno, but you could ultimately put another midfield player in and Ericsson played his position. You wouldn't want to lose Varane, but if 
I mean, you have to assume that you're going to at some point. <laughs> he's got, it feels like he's got six weeks coming at some point. But yeah, the one who, he is the Bowski's rug in this team. That he, yes, he, yeah, he, yeah. He, he ties it together because it allows everyone else to do the things that they want to do. Although yeah. on Saturday, I think it won't be enough just to have him up. I can see it must be extremely tempting to go Casemiro, Ericsson and Bruno, but City are just starting to get some form together. And I would be playing one of Fred or McTill, McTominay instead of, instead of Ericsson. Yeah, it, it, it's, it is interesting that just because how many chances Ericsson is creating from that position. And he, he, but you have to, you need to get the ball. For a start, we're not going to have much of the ball. And so there's that temptation between the defensive side of things with McTominay and use of the ball with Ericsson or a bit of some kind of mix of two with Fred. We'll, we'll, we'll come to that. But yeah, the other player I wanted to mention was Luke Shaw because he's three games out of four now. He's played in central defence and he's barely put a foot wrong, which surprises the hell out of me. But I mean, not only has he like done the defensive side of things pretty well, I, I, I could barely think of a time that he's been caught out even into the sort of channel area, which you'd think would be the problem for him. But the passing range has been excellent as well. He's, I mean, he's he's someone that all the managers he's played for have known as a special player. I, I remember Van Thal announcing the year of Luke Shaw. Right, and yes. The problem with him is we've been putting it together. I mean, I was a little bit surprised he played centre-back the other day because I'd assumed that we would want to get Martinez back in as soon as possible yeah. so that he was ready for City. Are you seriously playing Luke Shaw at centre-back against Haaland. Well, quite, yeah. No, that that is, uh, I mean, because... I mean, and Martinez did play... in the movement, yeah. Martinez struggled in some aspects against Haaland, but, and as we said this at the time, if he had not been playing, we could have been six down at half-time. Yeah. It, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to assume that Martinez will play on Wednesday and probably on Sunday too. I, I would imagine that will be Ten Hag's, and he's probably just not had enough training and the effects of four or five days of an absolute worldie of a bender in <laughs> the Buenos bender Aires. of your life. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I think that it would be. Yeah, I, I'd be surprised like you if if Martinez didn't play. But that's why I thought, given it was a cup game or Bournemouth at home, that we didn't see a bit more of him then, given there's very clearly a target for which he, yeah. must, he must be available. He got 15 minutes and a nice ovation. They didn't quite put on the Brighton-style celebration. The Brighton way that we have been encouraged in England to think that Alexis McAllister is some kind of, I mean, world beat. I mean, maybe he is a world beater just by virtue of winning the World Cup. But yeah. BBC, it was like the nearest thing to it that I can think of was when Graham Pohl, Darren Cannon, and Mike Malarkey were the officials at the 2010 World <laughs> Cup. And there's some kind of major triumph for football in England. And it well, was... if we can't win it ourselves, we have to do it by proxy, right? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he is obviously... A... That was a great moment when he came back to the training ground. I mean, that was, yeah. that, was yeah. that was brilliant. But, yeah. I'd be very happy if any club whom rivals who rivals United signed him instead of signing someone better. He came back and scored two goals against. He scored a great Sunderland? goal yesterday. I only saw one of them. Scored a great goal yesterday. I'm forgetting who they were playing now. Sunderland or Middlesbrough, something something like that. Which one? Sco- I, I don't know, but he don't did know, score. Don't know. Yeah, he scored a kind of Cruyff turn on the volley. Yeah, he scored a really good goal and and the kind of yeah flick over the top. Yeah, it's um, uh... but I mean I guess the. 
the other thing is, we, I mean, we, we're sort of getting these convenient cup draws that are also extremely inconvenient, as in, who on earth wants to watch United play Reading at home rather than Col- I don't know, Colchester away, whatever it is. It's just, there's like, there is a massive element of frustration at these home cup draws. And yet, there are a lot of games, and getting Charlton at home and Everton at home and Reading at home yeah. is ultimately probably useful. Well, given given that because of this that fixture against Reading, they've had to move the Palace fixture in between Arsenal and City, which is not ideal, I have to say. <laughs> any time when you can rest and rotate a few players. This is good for me because I have a Palace ticket now. I've just yeah. stopped <laughs> during, the, during the course of this conversation. So actually, everyone can breathe a sigh of relief. Nice. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy. But yeah, it is it is that that difficult balance because we have got a lot of a lot of work to do this season. In that, we need to try and do something about stopping City winning the title if at all possible. They're still in everything, so at some point we're going to need to beat them in at least one of the cups, probably. And the way the cups are going, they're not replete with teams that might do it for us. Chelsea have City have just hammered Chelsea four 0 that's, yeah. That game's just finished as we're recording. The likely, if Arsenal beat Oxford, that's Arsenal and City in the next round. Yeah. Liverpool are not reliable and might not get past Wolves. We're lucky to get we're lucky to get a draw of Wolves yesterday. And suddenly everything is on the table again. Yes. And yeah. ideally, I just feel like, yeah, we just need to try and deal with this in the League Cup as soon as possible. Yeah. And yet part of me thinks. I don't much want a two-legged semi against City. I prefer a one-off game. The other, probably larger part of me, thinks we have so far avoided the total fucking ignominy of losing a cup final to City at a time when that is eminently possible. Like, that penalty shootout against Sunderland under Moyes <laughs> was very, very fortunate that we lost that because otherwise we just would have got twatted at sit by City at Wembley. Yeah. And this is not something that any of us need to see. I know it's it's a kind of interesting, like, obviously, what I actually want is United to win every every game from now until the end of the season and, and come from behind and win the title by some miracle, right? Obviously. I don't think that's going to happen. It seems very unlikely that not only United will do that because there's still inconsistencies in the side. Are there now? 11 out of 12 wins or whatever. But also, you'd need a couple of teams to fail, basically. So what what, what do we want other than that? Definitely not. Definitely, we don't want City to win, even though Arsenal fans are incredibly annoying. It's, it's better also, that they win than a state-run club. And, it and, Manchester, City. and it's also, I mean, for me personally, it's just the idea of seeing little Artets and his little trouser <sighs> dancing around with the Premier League title is extremely palatable. Yeah. But it's also, it's not even just the fact that that's still much more palatable than City winning anything ever. It's the three in a row is also on the line here. And if yes. it's three in a row this season, then why isn't it four in a row next season? I mean, if we, we will have only hopefully... because another state-run club like Newcastle might go sp- spunk 300 million on players in the summer. And they, won't have a, they won't be able to probably, but we should be in the hunt next season because ultimately, yeah. if we'd have started this season properly, we'd, yeah, yeah, we'd be in, in the hunt, right, be now. In the hunt yeah. right now. And if yeah. we, I mean, I, I, I doubt we win the next two, but if we did, then... We are again like not that far off competing. No, no, that's right. Coming back to Everton briefly, what, what are your thoughts on Anthony? Because he's he on got my the list goal, here. and 
He does some nice stuff, but he's one of the players, along with Rashford, who's been given extra wrong foot training, apparently. Like, use your right foot, mate, and go on the outside. Because <laughs> it's amazing it is- you can reach this level of football. Like, I just, when I got home from school as a kid, I was known Charles, so I guess this was part of it. I would get home and I'd smash a ball against the wall and do keepy-uppers. Yeah, great for ages. So by the time I was seven or eight, I started playing competitively. Not a particular. Not I. I could take a corner or a free kick with both feet because I, I had worked on making this so. Yes. And yet you have these players who are elite level professionals, and they are not sufficiently competent with their weaker foot. I mean, I'm not saying that they're not better than ten year old me. Obviously, they are. But relative to the level that they're playing at, it is so bizarre to me that it takes a particular manager to come in and make you work on this. Yeah, and, and and the thing is, I mean, not only is he, I mean, obviously he's worked with Ten Hag before, but in his time at Ajax, he took players on. He, incredible amount of take-ons per game, like something like 13 a game on average, and a lot of success. And he's just not doing that at United. I mean, he, he I don't know whether it's confidence thing, or it's better defenders who are able to show him on the inside, but that's what's happening. They're, they're showing him into blind alleys, and, and so he, know, he needs another trick for sure. I mean, he does do very well at that far post ball in. I think that is, he, he's able to cut inside and put that far post ball in, which is dangerous. And he does know how to get into the kind of right kind of areas to score goals, even if his goal scoring record's not generally that impressive. It's okay, but there's definitely some development. He's, he's, he's not a hundred million euro forward is he we've bought the potential of him not yeah i mean i i I agree with you like i i too have made a note to discuss that we should discuss anthony and i think the thing that's bothered me in the the most recent games is related to what you said about the take-ons is that i'm finding still that when the ball goes out to the right flank not that much happens we're still the proper threat is still very much coming down the left even though Dallo is better going forward than Wan-Bissaka. Anthony is an actual right winger and we're just playing more confidently, getting more of the ball. And it's partly what you said, that I felt like Anthony would sometimes do something good, but too often he was pausing and stopping and he was he was slowing the game down. And I don't think that he will get away with, with doing that consistently. He'll be told to stop doing it or he'll lose his place in the team because there are options. So... I'm not concerned about him because I think he's got a lot of talent. He's got good imagination. He's got a good football brain. puts the ball He puts the ball in well. He's scored a few goals without playing that well so far. That's quite helpful. But he, it feels like there's more. There's more there. And at the moment, he's not quote Michael Van Gerwen's one of Michael Van Gerwen's favourite lines. He's not doing the right things at the right times. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, he's only 15 games in, and some of those sub. Appearances, so it's not it's not even half a season's worth of football, really. And he so. had that little hiatus prior to the World Cup as well. Yeah, yeah. So for what? For there, what? One there's asked plenty of oneself. One asked oneself what proclivities he was involved with. Yeah, he. There's more to come. I mean, the other the other. It would be good if it'd be interesting if they tried Garnacho down the right as well, just as a. Just because he can play across all, I know he prefers playing off the left and coming inside, but that'd be that'd be an, another option. And then, of course, the other option is when Sancho comes back from his retreat or whatever he's been doing on his private training sessions, and and else he's working on, and manages to to find a place in the team because he's not going to find a place in the team if Marcus Rashford is playing well. 
unless um, unless Rashford moves inside. But then why would you move him inside when he's doing so well on the left? And yeah, I mean it's it's uh, he's literally in data terms half the player playing through the center than he is off the left in terms of the output goals and, and assists. So it it's yeah I flip flopped around on this one. At, I think at one point I really thought he could become a number nine, but he doesn't use his back and his body in the same way. Maybe he could now he's become more physical, but he's just so much more of a threat off the left. Yeah, he he's now, the now that he is, as, as we said, like saying like a proper wide player, instead of just a wide attacker looking to go for goal, it would feel silly to to put him to put him into the middle. But I think the other thing with Anthony is also that he doesn't have as good a fullback as Rashford has on the left. And True. And Dallow... Like, I mean, he's feeling, I guess, feeling his way back after the World Cup and injury. But one of the reasons I felt one of the reasons we didn't create much on the right was also just he had refused to take any risks. He got the ball and he would always play a safe pass, square or backwards, more or less. And again, I'm sure that he will be told to stop doing that because we know that Tenach isn't into that. And that's itself interesting, I guess, it feels like we know what the manager is asking the players to do. And we also know that if they don't do it, then they'll be not doing it from the side. Yeah, I mean, I, if, if he'll, the thing with Dello, I mean, he's got one assist all season in all competitions and doesn't create anywhere near the chances. He does at least progress the ball into the final third. It's that last bit that is not, it's just not there. So I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if United try and buy another right back. I mean, clearly Ten Hag doesn't like Wan-Bissaka. Who actually he's played one... quite well in the games He's done he okay has. defensively, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, but I, I, I'd be absolutely amazed if Juan Bazaka is here for much, or I mean, maybe for the rest of this season because there's no other cover at right back really. Oh, uh, I but guess. then in the summer, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. I would have like, I would have thought about getting Ethan Laird back. Yeah, just because and whether he could do it, yeah, yeah, as an understudy, because then if he can, you save yourself money, and that money you can then go and spend on the striker and midfielder that we want. Sure, and or, he is. A very attacking fullback as so well. I've got in, a mate. in the kind of mould that Ten Hag wants. I've got a mate. That, that's not the end of the story. I promise. I do, <laughs> I do have, well. have you got proof of this? <laughs> Photos or it didn't happen. He's got a season ticket, QPR. And he said that Laird is now almost at the level that Kyle Walker was at when they had Walker. It's just way, way too good for the championship. And he, yeah, he's been... I told him that I thought Laird was good, what I'd seen of him, what I've been told. And he, even in that context, has not been disappointed by how good Laird has been. So, it, I mean, I don't know if the aim will be to have another loan, but I guess if you're buying right back and and, Dallas, and offering Dallow a new contract, the only reason you're giving Laird another loan is because you hope it'll help you sell him for more money ultimately. So that's right. Well, he's I, still only 21, Ethan Laird. He's still got he's got right, but he's got it, a chance, but it's got to come soon. If he's but it's got to be now because yeah. it's got to be next season, really, because Dallow is not much older than that, and whoever you sign is not going to be older than 26, probably. Yeah. So it means that you're not getting a go at United for three or four years, and at that point you're going to leave. So, I mean, yeah. I think in the end we have to like we have to assume that Ten Hag has a good idea of what he's doing. A lot of the players on loan are doing, not a lot of them, but some other players on loan are doing well. I mean, Ahmad is absolutely killing it at Sunderland now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely flying with some stunning goals as well. Looking at Laird's data, he's created chances. It's good for a right back. Very good, actually. Not a load of assists, but I think that might tell you some something about QPR's forwards than, than Laird's contribution. And they've lost their manager now as well. Beal's got yeah. Rangers. But 
yeah, it, I he's someone who they have thought was good for quite a long time in the club. Yeah. So I hope I hope that they give him an opportunity. But in general, if you're even close to good enough, you do get enough opportunity to show that. It's quite rare that, especially these days, that you let a player go and it turns out you've dropped a massive bollock because it, there's just too much at stake for those players not to get a proper go. Right. And Ahmed's in a similar situation. I mean, it's taken a long time to get up to speed. I mean, he's had a very poor time at Rangers when he went on loan there. Didn't get much game time under Oli. Then we had the change of manager. Then he went on loan. Van Bronckhorst didn't trust him for whatever reason. And now he's under a manager, Tony Mowbray, who does trust younger players. He's got a lot of young players in that Sunderland side. Tony Mowbray is one of the best names to say with those northeast inflections. It is. It is. Along with Shola Amiobi, say that in a <laughs> in a Geordie accent. It's just perfect. Yeah, I can't do it. But um, I always used for... to enjoy uh, Ross Barkley saying the Khafu as well. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yes. Anyway, I, I think I'm you at... can find that one on my Twitter if, you, if you're interested. Nice. I mean, Ten Hag actually called out Ahmad in his pre-match press conference, and I mean, uh, you've probably asked about a... him. I imagine. It, yeah, yeah, he was. He was. He was asked about him, and he said they'd been thinking about what to do, what was best for him, and it was best to leave him where he is for for the moment. Although they'd they'd been thinking about how useful he was. So if he came, he'd hardly get any game time. He's playing every week right now. It'd be mental to bring him back, wouldn't it? Yeah, I I guess they would like, in an ideal world, they'd bring him back as Anthony's understudy next season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he'd he'd get games if he's playing well and confident. And I mean, United obviously paid a mental amount of money for him. 40 million euros, half of them are bonuses, which will probably never get paid. But still, twenty million for a player who'd who'd had, I think, one game at senior level and only used football before that was a, a shocking amount of money. Which brings me on to the other thing Ten Hag said, and he he was really really detailed and specific about this when he said United have bought really badly. He put it in his kind of Dutch phraseology, but he said United have bought really badly, and and the thing they're trying to buy is not only quality but mental capacity to play for United. He said the That's... the United shirt hangs heavy. I think was the say, thing he says and said, and it's it's a big shirt to wear, and you need personalities to wear it. That's something that someone in the club said to a friend of mine in the summer. The difference in mentality of the players who've come in versus the players who've left, and I right. mean that is that is very evident. Like even Anthony might not be good enough to play for Man United, but it won't be a mental failing. That guy's a killer. No, no, that's right, that's right. It, that's a kid that really wants to win, along with Lissandra Martinez, who's just off, off the charts. Yeah, Casem- and Casemiro. And Casemiro, and, and, yeah. and, that, and yeah. that leadership, that leadership that we're getting from those players, like I, I, I've written about this in the piece that hasn't, in fact, yet that will be published, I think, the weekend, where talking about the effect that Martinez has had on the players around him, there's something almost like feel quite telling about the fact that Luke Shaw volunteered to take Martinez's place while he was away. Yeah. That is quite an un-Luke Shaw move. But yeah. after we, at the end of the West Ham game, Martinez was kind of noising up the crowd and then he went over to Luke Shaw and it wasn't congratulating, it was cajoling. And it just felt like, yeah, that guy's got your number and he's not going to let you off in the way that you don't mind letting yourself off. And filling the squad with those kind of personalities, you suddenly have a culture of responsibility and winning. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and Ten Hag said that as well. He said, you know, we've got people who've got experience of winning titles. 
And clear, clearly it matters along, alongside the quality. And it, it just seems that he's completely transformative in a way that the other coaches the United have brought in post-Fergie have not been. I mean, to the point where he's taken over control of the under-21s because he wants to completely understand the pathway from from that team into the into the first team. I mean, there's still a there's still a coach there as well, but he he wants much more control over the the whole squad in a quote unquote to quote City holistic manner. Oh, and in, uh, in the end, like what costs are they really? Whatever people say about the coaching was didn't nail enough of his signings. And if you any, sign really Bruno. Oh, Bruno. Bruno. If you, it, yeah. a, if you sign a load of crap players, then you, you've got a problem. Whereas if you're even if you're not a good coach or tactician and you sign loads of really good players, the team can still be good. And yep. the problem with Ole was that ultimately he bust 100 million odd on Maguire and Wan-Bissaka before you even start thinking about what he spent on Ahmad, who yeah. that felt like... I wasn't his signing, but yeah, or yeah. just an act of like such total altruism, of almost performative altruism, where he's saying, "I'm safeguarding the future of this club by uh-huh. not spending money." Like you could have had rice more or less, almost if you'd have added just that, a yeah, little yeah. bit to the Ahmed yeah. money, you could have got rice at that time, and mm. a player United in a position United desperately needed. But instead, it's sort of the same as like you know, like the parking spaces and the suits and all of that. That where you're safeguarding the future of the club by busting money that you need now on speculating the future. Mm. Whereas Ten Huff has not done that. He's bought players for right now. And yes. he's done... And the only one who's remotely up in the air is Anthony. Yeah, yeah. Like we... Lissandro Martinez, Casemiro and Ericsson, we know for sure are good enough. Yeah. Well, no, that's right. That's right, and but he just seems singularly focused. He knows what he wants. His standards are, are high. I think in the bonus content we'll talk a little bit about more transfers, and there may be some some dissonance around that because <laughs> this, this winter we are going to have to compromise on the standards. I think to bring in players, uh, unless unless you think Jack Butland will be challenging David De Gea for that number one shirt, seems unlikely. But yeah, you know. I mean, I get uh, De Gea is also. I mean. That mistake against Everton was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> you enjoyed that one, did you? I, I felt like I could enjoy it because I didn't think it was going to cost anything. Yeah. And yeah, it just right. felt like one of those where he was just totally somewhere else. Just I, like, lost his thinking, completely. Thinking yeah. about how many cans of Monster he was going to drink when he got home or whatever it was. And where he just totally... Didn't wasn't thinking about the fact that he was engaged in a game of football, so that when the ball suddenly arrived at his feet, he just didn't know where he was or what to do with it. Yeah, he, he's not made a mistake like that this season, I don't think. No, he's been excellent. He's been excellent. He's been excellent. Season. He's been making the right kind of sense. He's even been using his feet to pass the ball, which is obviously being asked of him, and it's not natural. He doesn't want to do it. Amazing that he's been at the club for 500 games and no one's before asked him to improve the quality of his distribution. But he, so he's he's been doing things and, and obviously the contract negotiations are ongoing. He's out of contract this summer. They haven't exercised the option. They're trying to get him to commit to a longer deal on lower money. And I, I guess that's still, they're still up in the air when he makes a mistake like that, whether that's a good idea or not. I, so, I, I don't know. I, I, provided he doesn't make too many more of them, 
but most goalkeeper, no goalkeeper really is going through the season without something like that. I see Alisson do it yesterday. Yeah, sure. Um, It's more with him. Obviously, he was making loads of stupid mistakes, but we also lost the saves. Yeah. It feels like the saves have returned. That Bournemouth game could have been nasty the last 20 minutes if it wasn't for him. Yeah, yeah. That's um, right. I mean, United became open. So he is he is making those saves and his reflexes are still as good as anyone's. I would, and, unless, unless there is someone who they are so certain is brilliant that they must sign this summer because if they don't, it'll go elsewhere. So you'll feel yeah, like yeah. you're signing the best goalkeeper in the world for the next decade. Yeah. Even in that circumstance, I would still be circumspect because I just think there's other things to do with this team that are more important. Than Bigger priorities, yeah. Well, cer- fo- certainly the forward. Yeah. 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 I mean, it may be different if new owners come in before the summer and they really want to make a big splash. And there's then loads of money. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then there, there will be loads of money. And United are okay on FFP, so they could go spend big on a goalkeeper as well. And, and of course, like everyone else have been watching... Diogo Costa, Porto, which should have been a platform for him because he's been excellent for Porto and he is good with his feet uh, as well as as well as all around. So, I mean, I guess a, a, if they tied the hair down to a new contract, if he does sign it and it does sound like it's close, although he was very close to moving to Real Madrid once, wasn't he? I'm so, absolutely was he... certain he is desperate to sign that contract. He'd be uh, absolutely yeah, sure, mad yeah. not to. It, because, it, it, I mean, if it's a big reduction in wages and it's a three or four year contract, yeah, we'll see. I mean, then they won't sign another keeper. They'll only sign a Dubravka style or whatever, someone who's competent at Premier League level, but not going to be pushing him. But the balance has to be right because it does feel, I don't know whether I could back this up, but it does feel like Dave's best performances come when there is a viable alternative to him. And Dubravka even though he's alone, is a viable alternative. He was a good keeper for Newcastle for a few years. Yeah, if you drop regular consecutive bollocks, then you you will lose your place. And I guess yeah. it's the same with Butland. And I mean, Butland's sort of an interesting one in that he was someone who was supposed to be very, very good. Yes, and never made it. And never yeah. quite got beyond the promising level. Yeah. Which I guess makes him interesting in that perhaps... Perhaps he can find. Perhaps he can get to it. I don't. I don't. I don't know what it is that stopped him. Why, as in why he was thought to be someone who was going to be seriously good, and what stopped him from getting to that point. But I guess it's still not impossible that he could get good. So United played Charlton. I don't know anything about Charlton. Haven't been watching them at all. Have you? Have I been watching Charlton? It's fair to say I haven't. I, mean, I have not spent my weeks watching Charlton, no. Um, they they do have Eburn. they do have Jezeron Raksaki, who's got a brilliant, brilliant name on loan from Arsenal. And uh, I, I was hoping he'd get more game time in the Premier League just to try and hear the uh, commentators get through that tongue twister. But I, yeah, I don't. I think they've got Ryan Sessignon's brother as well, haven't they? On loan, <laughs> Ryan Sessignon's <laughs> brother. So yeah, it's one of those games where it feels like I would be wanting to rest as many people as possible against. Charlton. I'm sure they will. And again, against Reading in the Cup, because you don't, there's so many games and you don't know when you're going to get to again. If we beat Barcelona and we still keep going in the Cups, then there's not going to be many free midweeks between now and the end of the season. Yes, the Barcelona on, we'll get to in February. But, I mean, they're, they're going quite well as well. But yeah, there are almost no free midweeks. You know, that, as we mentioned, that Palace game has been moved. They still, they've still got those two extra games to find, haven't they? 
which will come later in the Leeds. season. It's going... There's a Leeds game, isn't there? There's a Leeds game. Yeah, it's 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 back to back. Which is why isn't that? Which is I think the why the Palace game was happening because Leeds now got a cup replay. Right, I think. Right, that makes sense. Yes. But I actually remember the last time Leeds played Cardiff in the cup, and they lost. And it was the same day that United came back to beat Villa three two. With a great game of football. Really, one that rankles with me to an extremely significant degree. In that I had extremely pitch invadable seats and ended up not going to the game because I had the wedding of two people. My then my not my ex wife, who wasn't yet my wife, had grown up with, wasn't really mates with, but had to go. And yeah. so I was cooped up at this crap wedding. Instead of watching if, one of the greatest of, cup ties ever. <laughs> instead of yeah, and. And now I am where I am, and I'm married to someone different. Is rankles even harder that I was corralled into missing that game for that? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I, I don't know what to say about Charlton other than I'm sure United will make a lot of changes. There's players who need Maguire, Martinez, both need real football. Don't they? Dallo could do with another 90 minutes, I imagine. Um, and then we'll see some of the players we haven't seen much of. I wonder if Sancho will return. Sancho, I mean, well, Beek's now injured and looks like he's injured for a bit. So I guess we'll probably see Garnacho. Garnacho will play for sure. Yeah. It's interesting. There's uh, not a lot of the kids have played. They played the cup tie on Friday night at the same time as the under-21s tie. And so you'd look at that and Kobe Mainu, who, who's been training with the first team, and, he's been, and been Shona Shoratere, you'd expect well. them to... to have some yeah he's been on the bench a couple of times maybe we'll see them well i think copy nice is the one they think is most likely to make it and there's also there's some amazing commentary that you can also find online of you know those footballers who the commentators can never call them by their surname like deli ali sounds right. like he's in fact an italian because yeah <laughs> he's only ever deli ali and there's 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 a video on the internet that you will find if you search Research for it. I think where Kobe Mainu, the commentator, just constantly every second is calling him Kobe Mainu, Kobe Mainu, Kobe Mainu. And I've been trying to work out if there's a rule and what what the rule for it might be. I think you get it often with unusual names. Yeah, he looks. I mean, he looks like he filled out over last summer, and he's one of those players. I think he sort of feels like a new generation of midfield players. Like Bellingham's part of it as well, where you've got people who are phenomenal athletes but also have all the skills as well previously that has been very few players Gazler is one and I can't think of too many others in the time I've been watching football before this generation where you've had midfield players with the drive and physique of Mateus but also with the feet of a winger yeah, you're putting him up with some lofty, lofty talent. Well, there. no, no, I'm I mean, saying, very good. I'm not saying yeah. he's as talented as those players at all. I mean, I've yeah, got yeah. no idea. I'm saying that the things that he's able to do, yeah, are the whole, are the full range of stuff. The full range, and whether of he's midfield. able yeah, to yeah. do it at Premier League level, I've, I've not a clue. Yeah, but but he's not. He's he's got, he's he's a multi-dimensional player. That's what that's what I'm saying. About very him. very much so. Nice touch. Nice range of passing. Very good in tight areas. Great weight uh, of the pass as well. Yeah, feels like a press resistant in the modern vernacular. Oh. So I don't know. I, what I've seen of him, I like a lot. And I, I, if he's if he's training and he's a Garnacho style player, where they believe he's good enough to to come and make an impact on the first team. I mean, he couldn't make less of an impact than Beat, could he? He's also both um, Mancunian and Ghanaian, which are right. 
two things like five personally appealing. Maybe we'll see him. It'd be nice, actually. It'd be nice. And uh, it, it's like much as you know, way at wherever. You know it's going to be more McCred, fun as a cut tie. This is <laughs> it's going to be Fred. <laughs> it will be Fred and McDominay. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're both in game time. So, yes, it probably will start. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think I think for backers, patreon.com forward slash NQAT pod, if you're interested. I finally, finally sent out mugs to people. Which, uh, believe me, trying to get mugs to Singapore, Thailand, Australia, and the UAE was quite a feat. But I finally got them out. So if you're interested in backing us, patreon.com forward slash NQAT pod mugs. I'm finally going to, I will design some t-shirts if I can find the right license for the thing that Dan wants to do, which will be fun. And we're going to talk about transfers and stuff like that. So everyone else, see you next week. Please.